So Nicole Bremner here with my podcast series and I'm joined here by Anthony Slumbers. Now Anthony and I met on Twitter and he's one of the very few people that I look up on Twitter daily to see what he has to say because he's he's very interesting. Anthony is a a digital strategist in the prop tech sector and that's kind of how I, I met him and we, our paths crossed was at the future prop tech conference but I'd, I'd actually met him before then I'd been introduced by Ashley Perry at JLL and he just has some very interesting things to say about the future of office the office space really as well as prop tech in general so thank you very much Anthony for joining me delighted to be here you can follow Anthony on Twitter he's at Anthony Slumbers and his website is antonyslumbers.com. So, Anthony, you've had a really varied background, actually. When I looked at your bio, you started off as an art dealer. Yes. Yeah. And then you progressed onto software development. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's a very, it is a very strange background that normally, normally throws people. But um, without, without giving away my age, as I'm slightly older than most, most people in, in prop tech, of course, when I started being an art dealer, there was no such thing as the internet. So what actually... What actually transpired was that I, I actually did do history and history of art at university and then I did work for a um, a Belgravia dealer for quite quite a quite a few years which was which was great fun but coincidentally quite a few particularly in those days high-end art dealers also did quite a lot of property development on the site so as it happened we did get involved in doing actually quite a lot of property property development and this was the the end of the 80s the real sort of big boom time at the end the end of the 80s and mm -hmm. for instance we, we built up a, well we did the planning for a, a huge scheme on Edgeway Road and we did actually go build a, a block of flats on Wimbledon Wimbledon Common called the Clock House which if you go up to the the windmill on Wimbledon Road. It's the the, the block on the right. Hmm. But to cut a long, long story, story short, of course, it got to the beginning of the nineties, and the whole market went went haywire. And there was that famous comment, "Stay in ninety one that Gerald Ronson said of stay alive till ninety five. Well, anyway, hmm. yeah. it got to ninety five, and ninety five was um, start, starting to pick up. But on my birthday, so January the 7th, 1995, I went into what was then the first internet cafe, which was on Wardour Street, I think it, think it was, um, in Soho. And in a nanosecond thought, ooh, this is interesting. This is very interesting. Property has lots of information, lots of in imagery, lots of networks, lots of people all over the place. This could well be the thing to... to, to get into so at that stage the um everything you could do on the internet was in the html specification which yeah. ran to 35 sides of a4 that was it that was all you could do so it actually wasn't so weird to go from being um, an art dealer to suddenly doing software development because 35 sides of anything you know if you've been reasonably well educated you can you can learn and to cut a long story short i then start started doing started doing doing um software development internet-based soft software development which went on i had my first big client was king sturge big big uh, surveying firm and i actually did all the work for them uk and european right until about a year before they were eventually um sold to jll um mm. So I did lots of lots of lots of agent stuff, and then I got involved with Broadgate Estates, the property management arm of British Land. And in two thousand and one, um, we did a joint venture to start producing pro property management tools. Um, so and these were online tools. These were all, all completely on online. Mm -hmm. We we started from from the position that. We plonked on a desk in front of us all the paper forms yeah. that people had to do for things like permits to work or help desk, um, visitor management, that sort of stuff, and said, "Well, how do we how do we digitise this?" Mm. And it all it all went on from there. So, but isn't it interesting how there are still so many of these forms that are still in paper form? Oh, I, I, even I, how many years on from that? I I, I I chuckle every time I go into an office building and someone says, "Oh, will you please sign in?" I went, "Oh my God, I cannot believe this!" You know, sixteen years ago. I wrote an online system for visitor management. But actually, more importantly than that, the thing that annoys me about it is I still go to places where they know I'm coming and there's no system to have me 
waiting. So mm, the reception, right. so the receptionist, instead of providing a service to me, you know, hello, Anthony, glad, glad you're here. You come to see, come to see Nicole. She's on the on the third third floor. Thank you, thank you very much. It's oh, will you sign in? Yeah, which is then. Five minutes of time of five, five minutes putting of in time, all your details. And yeah. then it's you, you're back to being, well, you're the customer, but you have to do all, do all the work. Yeah. And it's, it's utterly bizarre that there's still so many, there's still so, you know, the thing about prop, prop tech, which is, which is interesting, there's lots of new, new things one could be doing, but there's still a whole corpus of stuff, as I call it, which is still run in an extremely analogue way. Mm-hmm. Now, a mentor of mine is don't digitise the past. So don't necessarily go, oh, well, that's what we do now. Let's just digitise that. Yeah. So there's so many opportunities and so many more opportunities now to say, well, that's the way we do it. But given that we now have all these tools, how could we do it now? Which, of course, is the way you should do it. But, but either, either way, you should not have any processes um, any touch points with customer suppliers which aren't where you where you haven't tried to remove all the friction from them yeah um so there's still a huge amount to go just on just on dealing with that which before. makes it exciting doesn't it because well, it, it does it, mean that there's a lot of scope for for the smart companies to go in and change these friction points it, it, it exactly and i i i always take the, the the attitude you know you have Property is not alone in this, but it is one of those industries where people go, oh, no, the robots are going to put us out of business and what will we do and we won't have any jobs and all this sort of stuff. And I always think that, that there's a really good, good cartoon and, you, and, um, and it's uh, two, people, two people sitting, on a, sitting on, a, on a rock, both without any, any sho- shoes on, and a lion starts coming, coming towards them. One of the people on the rock starts putting on his, on his shoes, and the other one says to him, I don't know why you're putting on the shoes. The lion's faster than you. And, and he said, well, I don't have to outrun the, the lion. I only have to outrun you. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is, you know, so, so, so ob- obvious. Yes. And in terms of competitive advantage, you know, we are in a market that is so vast. Mm. It's every, every, everything around you is our market. And our industry touches every single person 24 hours a day yes because exactly. people exist within the built-in environment so i think of it in terms of the competitive advantage that certain people and companies and groups of companies building ecosystems can gain over the rest of the industry is probably wider now than ever because so much of this te- technology, you know, know the mantra, you know, don't make it, te- it's, it's no good being 10% better, you've got to be 10 times better. Mm. Now, obviously, lots of things you can't be 10 times better, but there's quite a lot of things, surprisingly, that you can be 10 times better. So you think, I, I think there's going to be a big bifurcation in the market, and actually it goes across the whole of the, whole of the business world in, into a barbell. There's, there, there's going to be people, people who are basically analogue and then digital not much, not much in in the middle, and there's going to be a huge competitive advantage by being aware of the zeitgeist and using the tools and so on and so forth. So to switch our focus to the co-working sector, because at the moment we're in a recording studio on Hackney Road, right by the building that I've just bought, um, that we've just bought out. Um, which is the lovely ivy-covered building that you might have seen on our social media feed. And we're very excited about this building. With the mural. Oh, yeah, with the mural. We've got the, the lovely uh, hare or rabbit mural, which is sadly uh, not in a great state, but ho- hopefully we will save that into the, in the communal areas. But what we have is permission here. Uh, we've got 5,000 square feet of commercial space. And one of the ideas we have for that space and something that I'm very passionate about is to create a co-working. However, it'd be interesting to get your view on this, Anthony, because I think that there are so many co-working spaces out there now. I don't want to just be another Me Too brand. What I would like to do is create more of a, a branded, focused, thematic type co-working space that is perhaps around... Look, there's so many themes you could look at. You could look at recording studios, like the one we're in now, where uh, they are focused on mini recording studios for various uh, podcasts, videos, all those sorts of things, music, uh, TV, radio. 
Or what I'm passionate about is more of a property one. So in the property one, you could have architects, CGI producers, uh, surveyors, brokers, property developers, agents, letting agents, all of these different people, digital strategists, all within one environment. And there's a great networking and uh, co-working in its actual sense of the word opportunity for these people who are within that environment. What is your view on the co-working space as it is and how do you see something like this more branded co-working going forward alongside the the behemoths now of WeWork and the others? I, I think brand is the single most important word in in business yeah. to, today. Exactly. And it's a very unused brand within the, the real estate sector. Hist- historically, certainly if you go back 20 odd years, the whole notion of being able to brand a building or any sort of branding within property. People always went, well, you can't brand a building. You know, a building's a building. You know, there's nice buildings and there's not so nice buildings, top end, middle end, bottom, bottom end, and they, they are what they are. But when you're moving to a world where, as, as I believe is, is, is coming, that maybe 30 40% of space used will be on, on, on demand in some form or other, um, basis rather than lo- long leases you're changing the whole thing up upside down from being in the property world being a product business to suddenly being a service business yeah. and there's a completely different mindset required a completely different organizational structure re- re- required to be able to provide a service because it's a very different thing developing developing say a, com- a commercial building trying hard to to let it and then when you've let it go off and play golf and send someone an invoice every every three months to a world where no one actually has to come into your building each day so you have to provide something that makes someone want to come in into the into the building so i think the whole way around the whole thing to do with the user experience of space is going to become so so in, important you know we don't we don't need a shop to go shopping and we don't need an office to go to work we don't actually need it as not to say we don't want it so the, the 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 aim has got to be how do we make people want our space and want it more than the next place mm. and spend more in it when 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 they are there so i think you people are going to end up developing a user experience of a space in the in the sense of you get into a bmw and you know the feel of a bmw you get into a mercedes you know the feel of the of the, of of the vehicle so you know the user experience of of those well property is going to be the same thing so i think you're going to have you're going to have people who can create great user experiences and that great user experience is going to end up being encapsulated in their brand and it's their brand that is really going to create the the value because what you want is you want a waiting list to come into your building don't you yeah that's right so i can see a time where you'll have two identical buildings one operated on a very very traditional product sort of mindset could be very nice you know there's nothing necessarily wrong in it it's not you know nasty space it's just run on a very you know old school way and then the space next door running a much more engaging a much more space as a service manner and what I've- are some of the factors though that you feel will create that additional demand when you compare and contrast these two different buildings side by side one with the, the waiting list and one without what are some of the actual uh, services that are required by that building with the waiting list? I think that there's um, there, there's there's a chap you should follow on 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 Twitter called Neil Lusher, and he's at Work Essence, who and he and he blogs at WorkEssence.com, and he's a he's a work, workplace specialist, and he's got some very good ideas on this. And one of the things he goes, talks about is what he calls the element elemental workspace. So, what is the actual you know the essence of what you need in a in a workspace and a lot of it is is your basic stuff you you know good good daylight good light good air 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 mm-hmm. quality various places to to um to do your work so you you need you need some form of a desk to do desk bound work you need spaces where you can go and hide away for when you need to hide away you need spaces where groups of you can in, interact and you probably need need spaces where you can do projects and and stuff and then you then you need need to combine in what what do you need in terms of 
sustenance. Now it could ju- it could just be you know nice 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 water and water and coffee. It doesn't necessarily yeah. need need restaurants need res- restaurants and cafes, or water. Yeah. But the the physical environment, there's certain essences of the physical environment which just make it a nice place place to be. Mm-hmm. And heating, for example. How many times did I work in these big tower blocks, these big office blocks, and we would all be sitting there with wraps around us, and then we'd go outside and it'd be thirty degrees because it was so freezing cold inside the office. Heat, heat, heating, <laughs> heating is really so, such such a common common problem. Yeah, that's it, it's funny having done our property management software for a long time. You know, one of the one of the most used m- modules was help desk, and most of it is to do with it's too hot or or, mm. or too cold. Now, there's two things wrong with that. First, if it's at a macro level and the building owner is controlling it and constantly getting the heat heat too hot, too too cold, yeah. that's one thing. But also, as an individual, you know, have no control of it. Now, you can have two people who would sit there. One would be perfectly happy to be sitting in a T-shirt and the next one's going to have a jumper on. Yeah. So elements of being able to control your environment so it suits it suits you. Yeah, now, so micro it, controls within the within uh, your little desk space, for example. Uh, absolutely, and it's not really the thing that most people think about at the moment. But it's one of the things that technology is enabling in in buildings a great deal more. Okay, you, you know, you've got to you've got to put the infrastructure in, but it makes such a big difference if someone can control that their their area has this sort of heating, this sort of this sort of light. This this sort of air quality and someone over over there can have a have a, a different a different thing, so I think just some some structural things with it within the building are very, are very important. These ele- element element elemental work workspace things that Neil, Neil write, writes about, and it really is worth re- reading. He, he's, he's done a particular blog on on it, and I believe he's actually write, writing a book about it at, at the moment. But it's fascinating, and he's yeah. he's done an awful awful lot. He just finished the. Um, the new Sky HQ out at Osterley, which is amazing, which is five hundred thousand square feet on it on its side, single occupancy. But to be honest, if that was transferred into the West End, even I, who don't who for twenty odd years has avoided offices, would probably go to that office because it because <laughs> it, be it, <laughs> it, it, it is so so nice. So. Just the physical elements, but I also think this, this, this idea of bringing different parties together within the same industry is, is potentially a very powerful one. Now, I know an awful lot of people are doing it, and it's a bit of a easy construct. Oh, well, let's just go and do a fashion one. Let's go and do a, 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 a this one. But I think you would have a great advantage doing it because, to start with, it's your business. Yes. So you know, you know, all, all of this is fundamentally what is wrong with our what is wrong with our business that we have some con- control of and then saying can we make it better and there's there's a hundred things isn't there but i think one of the things that's really Im- important now and i have lots of I have, oh, in, in within the within corporates I, I deal with i have quite a lot of trouble pushing them down down this road is mul- multifunctional teams and thinking thinking of things like a multifunctional team you know you have so so many so many companies to set up there's the IT department there's marketing there's finance there's operations and never the twain sh- shall meet all of these problems are a multifunctional problem and i think it, you know it's think feel do so think about what is it you need different people with different skills to think about different types of problems, and then there's the and then there's the the feel side. So the the feel side might be something like your um, on onboarding, to use a, a software term, a new tenant into into a building. What's the process you go through? As the think of the customer, how does the customer feel? coming into your property for the for for the first time and are there touch points we can make better and then there's the the do side of it you need people who's going to make that make that happen so in terms of in terms of a property co-working center it's almost almost like there could be i don't know you 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 could have a hundred problems and can can we can we solve them and try and curate a team of people who might well and probably will be running their own businesses but who also are very likely to be able to complement 
complement each other. You know, the yes. two, two, two plus two plus five equals five. And, and it happens so much in software and so much in, in particularly with um, da- data systems now that you find, oh, there's one set of data that I can get. Well, if I could combine that with that data set, then I can create create something new. So I, I think there's a huge chance to, to do that. There's, um, well, PyLabs have sort of, sort of done that and they inve- invest in it and whatever. But I'm not sure that they do it in quite the, well, this, this, I don't know, they, they sort of are resi and commercial focus, but there's certainly a new brand that, that could be created that specializes and maybe, maybe, maybe helps everyone create some sort of framework that they're, you know, the, the, the place they, the place they go to in some way um, acts as an additional service to their to their business. I'm not quite sure. It, may, it might be that you have certain training things in there. You might have you might have video sessions in there. You might have all, all man all manner of things. But sort of thinking of what people within that sector might require, and then providing that for them really is the or that, trying to solve the problems for the people within that particular sector. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and then, and then trying trying to curate them in such a way that each each of them then solves the, can solve the other person's the other problem person's and problem. and you get big, bigger problems. So I think there's definitely a, a, a you know fo- focus focus curation service user experience. So you big keywords and and listening to to you it. it I, I think that what you're saying is that this co-working is not just a, a buzzword. You believe that this is the future of... You believe that these there is going to be more demand for this type of working space. I, I know a friend who works for a large multinational uh, finance company and they're having problems recruiting right now. And one of the reasons is that they're... Well, one of the many reasons why the, why the big finance companies are struggling is uh, these top graduates are more attracted to the the startup mentality where they all work from beanbags on the floor, whereas these large finance companies and banks, for example, they've got the old system where all the management sit around the windows in these big towers and all the young staff are in these chicken coops, as we used to call them, in the middle and working without natural light all day. So um, I think that, that model seems to be broken. Do you think that even these large banks and law firms and accounting firms do you think they need to switch to a more more open plan uh more uh, less horror less uh, management focused a flatter sort of structure in the way that their buildings are set up as well or, or is this already happening are there already companies doing this well there, there there are there are companies doing doing it very well and there's other other companies trying to do it and i think it is going to become more and more pervasive and is going to become the norm in in, in some ways you might find the bigger companies become the more flexible than anyone is Google. Google did a survey last last year called the Work, Workplace Twenty Twenty, and they asked they asked people what percentage of your employees will be working flexibly, which can which we can come on to it covers a multitude of um, op- options by twenty eighteen. They said, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing was the bigger the company, the higher percentage. Was likely to be working flexibly to the extent that with companies that employed more than a thousand people, they reckon by 2018 within this survey, 65% of them will be working flexibly in in wow. some manner. Now, the 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 reason I think co-working and flexible is going to get so big is because if you actually look at look at the marketplace, there's big there's big companies and there's small companies and there's not a lot in the middle. It's back back to that. Barbell. Forty percent of people in the UK work for companies that employ more than two hundred and fifty people. Only twelve percent of people work for companies that employ between fifty and two fifty, and then forty eight percent of people work for companies that employ less than fifty. So, if you're a big company, you a probably have the money, yeah. You have the requirement, and you have the scale to create great great spaces and they are going to be activity based spaces because the the fundamental thing that i think is changing across the whole the whole marketplace and the whole office market is is to do with 
the ro- the robots are coming in automation and, and all that. Um, whenever anyone says the robots really are coming and automation is coming along, McKinsey did a report at the beginning of the year that estimated that 49% of all tasks currently performed for money within companies across the globe could be automated by currently demonstrable technology. 49%. Because if you actually if you actually break down what is someone doing and then look, well, could that be automated? A great a great deal of it could. Mm. Now this 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 could be a bad thing, could be a good thing. I think potentially if if society plays it right, this is a fantastic thing. But it changes it changes the way you need you need to think. These old hierarchical companies, where, as you say, you've got the management in the corner of office, and then, and then lower and lower scales until you have no have no day, daylight at all. And as you say, you're in these little pig pens, and it's hateful. And and actually, everyone hate, hates them. You know, most yeah. surveys show less than fifty percent of people think their offices make them pr- productive. So it doesn't work. Mm. You know, we have a failing problem. But m- much more importantly, is not is not how we work, but the work we do. Now, I think we are all going to start needing to become actually much more human. Because if you break things down into, well, what can the robots do? And will they do it? The chances are they're going to do an awful lot. But there's a a thing called Moravec's paradox, which is essentially, essentially states that what computers are good at, humans aren't, and what humans are good at, Computers aren't. Yeah. And they really, you know, everyone talks about AI, and AI is a wonderful thing and incredibly powerful, but there's a huge number of things AI can't do, and most of it is human skills. It is imagination. It is empathy. It is understanding. Relationship it, building. Re- relationship yeah. building. So if you think about it, what are we going to be doing when we come into the office? Well, we're not going to... Anything that we're doing rote, where you have to sit in an office for eight days, that's going to go because you can automate all that. So what are we going to do? We're going to come into an office where you and I have got to chew the fat over this problem, work something out, bring in Fred and Carol and whoever, and work, work something out. And we have got to create new products. We've got to make, we've got to make our products and our services that we have now better better for humans by thinking, feeling, doing. And then we've got to create, create new things. And these are all intensely human skills. Now, intensely human skills need the right environment. Yeah. So I think you're going to get a lot of big companies are going to be, the really good ones, are going to be in the, in the position to create these environments. And it happens across finances where you look at someone like Macquarie Bank in, in Australia. They famously have terrifically interesting activity-based work, workplaces. And they're a great brand and a great company yeah, great, to work for. Ex- yeah. ex- exactly. Or um, company, a legal firm I know over here, Mich- Mishkondorea. If you go into Mishkondorea's new, new office, the whole of the ground floor is like a rather wonderful five-star five hotel. And you have most of the meetings down there and there's a central bar so you can have coffee, you could have a drink if you want. And there's, there's, there's different types of seating and it work, works brilliantly. But you need to be of a scale to do that. So if you're, if you take the city, the city of London, there's only 205 companies in the city of London that employ more than 250 people. Mm-hmm. 80% of unit, commercial units in the city of London are less than 10,000 square feet. 70% of all the units are less than 5,000 square feet. Now, it's very, very difficult if you're only talking about 5,000 square feet yes. to create the sort of space, sort of spaces. Yeah. So if you've got, you know, um, I can't remember the, the, the number, but the number of people who um, companies that are, are ten, 10 or less in the city is huge as well. Most people or half the people work for small outfits. Now, they don't have the skill set probably to know how to create a great space. And they probably don't have the budget or the time or the inclination. Or the actual space. Or, or the actual space. So, but they still need, if they want to attract quality staff and produce quality products, they need great environments. Yeah. So I, this is why I think it could be 30, 40% of the whole market co-working. Because I think, well, if I had 10 or 20 people, I'm certain somebody could create me a product that's much better than I could do. So maybe with your 10 to 20, you might go to, say, the, the office group who are uh, 
sort of hybrid co co working partly, but you partly have your own office and this this, this sort of thing. Or you might do a, a WeWork or different brands. I think I think there's going to be different brands to suit different types of company at a different stage. So you'll get startup type um, software company needs a, t- a one sort of product. A scale-up needs another. Likewise, you might be starting a new, a new law tech or a fintech or, yeah. or a, a property company. You need different types of space. And I think people will start to build brands that truly understand their customer, that the, 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 the landlord has to understand what jobs do our customers do. You know, the old job, jobs to be done thing. What is the job to be done here? Now, if you really, really understand what it is your occupiers do, then you have to start building spaces that allow them to do it as friction-free as possible in the most, in the most pr- productive way. So in terms of creating... In terms of the big office space, I think there's still going to be 40, 50 percent big place, big spaces. They won't in number terms. There's not that many, as I yeah. said, 205 over 250. But there's still, you know, it's 205 big, big buildings. Um, and they're and they're probably going to become much more activity based and put a lot more money. In- interesting example, you've got um, in the Gherkin, Swiss Re in the in the Gherkin yeah. are subletting 30 percent of their space without changing their headcount at all because they're changing the way they work. Yeah, and and they're also stopping this thing of, I think within, within five years, the notion of coming into an office five days a week will be an, ab- an aberration. Well, exactly. I've got a friend at one of the banks out at Canary Wharf and he, his whole team, and they're in, they're in an IT function, their whole team has been told that they're not to come into the office more than three days a week. Really? Yeah. So they've got lockers and they have to work from home at least two days a week. And they're only to come in on the days where they have team meetings. And the rest of the time they have their lockers so they can keep everything there. They've got a laptop that they obviously bring to and from. And when they get to work, they find a docking station and they just open up their locker, grab a tray with all their things on, go up to a docking station and dock in. And so, and, yeah, and that's something, that's right. And that's what they've been told. Whereas I've got a friend at another bank who've been told that they're not to work from home and they're expected in the office at all times, but their workspaces are getting smaller and smaller and people are not happy. No, they're not. They're, 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 they absolutely aren't happy and you need to create the, the right spaces. That's actually a really interesting point because what you might also get a lot with the big companies is, I call, I call it the six modalities of of occupation traditionally you might have had x x i don't know thousand staff goes and buys a or leases a hundred and twenty thousand square foot office building everyone goes into the same building for five days a week what i think you're going to start to get is those big offices are going to reduce down 20 30 percent because you're not going to have your people in there all the time. No. And they're only coming in, as I said, to do the human stuff. That's right, the team. But yeah. they might, well, do their other work in different places. So I think you might have, say, that 120,000 might end up as 60,000 square feet is fixed space. And then you might take 10,000 square feet in a Regis-type place, which is still basically set up as a as a normal office and you take it on a long you know a couple of year lease so you might have a 10 year lease a two year lease and then you'll have people using a certain amount of time in co-working places which aren't necessarily their their permanent permanent places but it's where they go to do to do certain things and then you and then you've got people using obviously third third spaces Cafes, libraries. Why? Why they shut all the libraries? I, d- I don't know. They libraries across the country would have been the most fantastic place yeah, to exactly. a in live in the high streets yeah. and 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 to use. But third spaces, and then people obviously work at clients or they work at home. That to- totals up to six. And I think what what you're going going to get, and I, I think it's the way for landlords to, to start thinking of their tenants, given the type of company are and the stage they're at. What's their mix going to be? Are they going to be out of that 120, are they going to be 60, 70, 80 or 30? And are they going to have quite a lot of two-year and a lot of co-working or not that much co-working? And um, I don't remember the stats, but I saw, I saw a, 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 
a really good bubble bubble chart of I think it was essential of how they actually cho- change their their usage, and it becomes you start to use a a a, a bit of everything. So a, again, as a going back to your brand, thinking in terms of who's who's your customer, your customer also partly might be departments or um, intermittent but big businesses. So it's not just you're working with, you know, small people. You might, well, there's loads of examples now, isn't it? You know, IBM ta- taken the whole of a WeWork building in, in New York. Microsoft have um, 300 people who have a certain allowance. I don't know what it is. It's you know, 30 hours a month and they can go into any any particular co- co-working places. So you, you, you've you got Santander, I think, down at, uh, at Second Life. So this, this looking at who's your customer um, you know, is it just startups or is it parts of, of big businesses and then really understanding them? I think it's going to go a huge way to differentiating um, developers and, and, and landlords. I heard a, uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was a, a big, big company landlord said it was, was being asked about something like WeWork. And they they said something like, yes, that's all very well. But as soon as they become a serious, a serious company, they need a serious landlord. And I thought, oh my god, if I could short your shares to, today, I would, because you completely don't understand no. the 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 di- dynamic. No, because it's not about if we build it, they will come anymore. It's it, from what you're saying, it seems like it has to be a place that's curated for the requirements of the of of workers, I guess, for the the people who are their clients. Uh, exactly. For- well, that, well, that's 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 what space as a service is. I, yes. You know. This, this, Another Twitter account I have is at Space as a Service, where I try and curate anything to do with with this, with this sort of thing. But Space as a Service has two dimensions. It has the dimension of literally being as a service that it's an on-demand thing like Uber or Airbnb and whatever. But it's also Space as a Service in that your space provides you the services and the environments to enable you to do what you what you need need to do and. That's going to be such a, a. That's the big cultural problem, I think, for the property industry because it has to, as I, as we were saying, it has to start thinking. Well, actually, who is my customer, and what do they what need do to? They need? What do yeah. and what do they need? Exactly. And it's not easy, you know. No. It, t- it takes you know really got to dive into it, and then when you're running places, you've got to you, you've got to use the appropriate technologies that enable mm. you to to. Um, Test your hypothesis. Yes, exactly. So you might have a hypothesis. I believe I'm going to lay out my office space like this and my customers are going to use it in, in this, this way. That's your hypothesis. It's just like a, soft, a software thing that I'm going to code this. If I code this, people will, will, will do that. And then you test it. And if they don't, you ask, you ask yourself, is that an aberration or is there a reason? And then you adapt it. So in the same way no software is ever finished, I don't think any office space no, is it, it has ever to, finished? It has to change with the changing requirements of the of the tenants because that's what it is. As space as a service, as you've said, and I think it, it's interesting that I took a blank sheet of paper and and mapped out the floor plan of uh, the new commercial space that we bought, and then I tried to separate it into zones and put down wish lists of what I would like in the area. So I put down things like. A podcasting recording room, a video recording room. I need somewhere where we can take pictures of people. Uh, so you need a photographic studio as well. And and these are just things that you don't even think of when you think of an office. I want areas where we can sit down on bean bags and have informal areas. But then I also I want a boardroom that's got all our beautiful pictures of our developments up on there. I want a good kitchen where I can get a good cup of coffee. Uh, I know my team would like to stop working in cafes all the time and paying for expensive coffee. They'd like to have free coffee there. They'd like to be able to heat up their lunch in a microwave rather than having to go and buy lunch every day. So there's so many different things. Showers, so you can run into work and have a shower. A gym would be even better. Bike storage. Pet facilities, so you can bring your dog or cat to work. But so a large percentage of what you've what you've just asked for there is very difficult for someone who only needs one to five thousand five thousand square feet to provide themselves. Yeah. So exactly. that is so that is exactly 
the opp- the opportunity, isn't yeah. it? It's funny you say about, about a, a podcast room. There is a, I think it's Huckle 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 Tree actually have a podcast room in their um, Alpha Beta building, <laughs> and they, and they, that really tickled me when I read that. I thought, oh God, duh, duh, of course, yeah, you know, because we're all start, starting to do this, and you and you need to set it up. But you're but you're absolutely right. And but, video rooms even better. <laughs> yeah, video rooms. And, and, well, it, well, exactly. Especially as you know, you've got LinkedIn have started to do. Um, in inline videos and videos are really 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 mm. really really powerful powerful i mean they could and oh, that's that's definitely one to hold with care because there's, yes. there's certain people that shouldn't be allowed near a video <laughs> no, and there's other exactly. people that are very good at it Do you remember the old uh at christmas parties with the photocopy imagine what could happen with it, christmas parties in the video it, room it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a very, it's a very dan- 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 dangerous thing exactly. but uh, but abs- absolutely but you know you're providing a service so the real estate business as i say is no longer about real estate no and that's that's really interesting and then actually then going on to more um your your mainstream world the 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 residential side i think it's going to be very interesting to see the development of of co-living places or or places that have apartments and then have co-working centers Below, for to, to centres that have below. I understand there's, there's there are planning issues about this. That if you have yeah, a, so yeah. Look, we've we've looked into co living type spaces before, and yeah, the planning around them is very very difficult. I think it's going to take a, quite a big shift on behalf of the planners to embrace these types of ideas, uh, which is a shame because I there's the whole HMO sector which has been quite a buzzword for a long time where you just pack a lot of people into a small space but what we also very attractive sector in many it it is an attractive sector because of the cash flows yeah the management is is but it's not necessarily so nice for the customer i think there's a there's a better product that could be built to cater for that market exactly and i've again looked at having that where you've got the co-living space uh the living space above and then the co-working down on the ground basement floors but again it's it's planning and it's about whether the whether the planners will embrace it and i think in some areas of hackney the planners are more open to those sorts of ideas but it's about getting the the uh yeah the planners on board ultimately but but i think this is another really structural change though in 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 the market because if you go back when i bought my first flat in in london Every and what was I, I don't know, I was 20, 25, 20, 26, something like that. And a couple every, of years ago, couple of years, couple of years, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all of my friends did the same. We all, we all bought flat, flats at that time. Realistically, now, if you're 20, 25 in London, unless mummy and daddy are giving you a heap of money, who can do that? Very, yeah. very few. So then you get this, the situation. Well, in those days, we all bought, bought you know, Clapham, Ballon, two. Tooting, so we went out out of town. I know it's not that far out of town, but still, it's not cent, cent, central central, because we were buying our own property. But if you can't buy your own property, I would think I'm trying to think how I would think if I was 25 now. I think I'd want to be as central as possible, Me and too. I yeah. and I don't think I'd care that much about the size of, you know, as long as I had a de- decent sized bedroom, decent bit of storage. And I think if if I then shared, you know, a really nice kitchen and a really nice sofa, which has got fantastic telly and all that, all that sort of stuff, I think that would be absolutely perfect. So that market, I would have thought, has to have a lot of legs because that's what you'd want to do in in cities if you're in a position where you're unlikely to be able to buy. And then, of course, you you get to the the stage of people get married and they have children and then they move out. And you know you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna change and change change that. That's just no, the way they, it goes. They want space and they want to be alone. They don't want to be sharing with other people. Then at that exactly. Stage but in their but, life. If, but if you're young, yes, or or, or young, single, young yeah. or or single, boom. Yeah, that's where obviously where where you'd want want to be. But it might become. Why well, well, I quite like the, the 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 mix of 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 co-living and um and co-working is in the same way as the office market has um become a bit more granular it used to just be you know west west end mid- midtown city there's now south bank there's king's cross there's canary wharf there's Shore- shoreditch there's um 
areas in Battersea. And you're getting more and more of these little villages. And as connectivity gets better, and as the services that are available in the, you know, the London villages, it makes an awful lot more sense to live somewhere that you can work quite 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 close you know this whole thing of moving everyone moves to this the the city of london and all it does there is is work i mean admittedly it's a it's a a lot different now to what it was but you've you've got the opportunity to split up and this whole notion of you know i think everyone goes on about oh you know you've got to get your life life and work work balance and i think oh you're really you're you're a hostage of fortune trying to sort out oh, exactly. live work bads. Think of it as a blend. Yeah. But you need to, I mean, okay, I'm, it, it's obviously different for me and, and prob- probably for you that I'm able to, if I don't want to work on Friday, sun, Friday and I'm happy to work on Sunday, I'll do that. If yeah. I want to work in, in the evening, I'll do that and I'll go and play golf between, between two, two, and, two and four. But realistically, if you think, if you think of your, your live and your work m- much more as a blend... I think it's easier to start to to generate de- decent well-being. Now, obviously, it's different if it's your own business and it's a you know if your work is something you love or your as opposed to just something you do. But never, but nevertheless, there has got to be a better balance between mm. I, I I I live and I sleep over here, and then I schlep all the way in into Cross there town, to do yeah. to do exactly what I could exactly. do some, somewhere else. It, it's, it's not nonsense. a clock so, on clock off mentality no, anymore. So, I think it's more fluid the so way we that need, we work. We need di- different different formats in in different different yeah. places. Well, look at near me where I live. Um, there's a, a landlord, a large landlord called Edward Benyon, who does a brilliant job of. Uh, he owns a few hundred houses around the area, and he recognised that many of his tenants needed a workspace. Yeah. in the de Beauvoir area. So he had a large warehouse and rather than convert it all into residential, which was his area of expertise, he's converted the whole lot into a uh, workspace. Wow. And it's a beautiful development. I can't yeah. wait to go to the launch in October yeah. because he's done such a lovely spot, a lovely job of that. And it allows people in that area to work local mm-hmm. to their home. It's interesting whether that's chicken or, chicken or egg though, isn't it? So in go- going back to what we were talking about earlier about understanding a who is your customer and then yeah. what is the what are the jobs to be done that your customer has that could completely apply in the res- residential context isn't it and, and as you say someone who's understanding oh my customers here that's what they do and then there's a shortage they could well be completely different types of people who that wouldn't work for. Yeah, but it gets back right. to one of the the most interesting things and I think there's going to be an awful lot more uh, to an extent, prop tech, but tech in general, in terms of allowing us to understand our customers much, much better. You know, there's an awful lot. There's an awful lot of um, tracking that goes on now, and there's a lot of it's almost, almost predatory and not done in a very. Um, it's almost, there's a lot, lot of um, tracking that's done just because, just because they can rather than yeah. the, a purpose. But if you think of it in in from the from the property with the property mindset. In the office, I need to know what the people do. In the residential area, I still need to know what the people do. Or if I was to provide this, does that change change behaviour? Because it's an interesting thing with technology, isn't it? I always think that technology leads behaviour because you suddenly have this functionality and people use it. If there's stuff, you know, give people broadband, they use it. What do they want? More broadband. Yeah, faster broadband. Faster broadband. But they always think, oh, suddenly I I can do this. Oh, look, I've got a phone and I need a a car. Oh, I can do that from my phone. Or I need access to all the world's information. Suddenly I I I can do that. But it must, I think the same will apply with with environments. So a little bit... It's build, it's build it, and they will come because you know who they are. Exactly. So, so, and you can tell so it. well. So, just to to move away a little from the co living, co working, and I want to. We haven't pre discussed this actually, so I'll throw it out there and <laughs> see where it goes. You and I can talk for hours, though, Anthony. But uh, what about the future of our high street, especially when I walk along uh, in Islington along Upper Street? I'm sure that every third window is an estate agent's office. And just going more into the AI and uh, robots and automation and something that you know I'm very passionate about is uh, blockchain and how we can use blockchain to automate as many of our 
oh, I think the, the friction points is the term you used before. And one of those friction points is the whole buying and selling of property, especially uh, around the conveyancing process, which I feel is very archaic. And part of the whole estate agent service, I feel, is is quite uh, antiquated, which is possibly why purple bricks are, are going so well, I believe. So what are your views on automation and the the property sales letting process as we see it now in the future of our high streets i think what do you think what do you see happening there i think the way forward for estate agents is to work on the presumption that they talk about traditional ones at the moment they are what they are but they have to provide every level of technical service that any of the online online people do, because they everyone has the same issues when they're when they're buy, buying or or renting a property. So, whoever you are, you need to have the services available, the technical services available. So, if I want to book a book a, a, a viewing at two o'clock in the morning, obviously I can do it. If I want to make a bid at now I, I can do it from my phone. All these sorts of things. All the things that the online people say, oh, but we have all this sort of technical capability. It's, a lot of this stuff is actually not that complicated. So I, I would say every every agent has to have that. Now, then you have the thing of, I'm actually slightly sceptical of the um, the on, online, online thing because I think, well, certainly if I, was, if I was selling my house, I know exactly who I'd give it to to start to sell now that partly might be is that it an online re- online no, agent no no no, no. it's okay. a it's someone who's worked in my area for thir- 30 years and has they probably have the been relationships in, has probably been in every house in my area okay. and none of the none of the houses where where i live are, are the same whereas when i used to live in ballam i live in emmanuel road in ballam great road overlooking overlooking the common wish i still own that flat <laughs> I, oh I, I weep when i think about something you flat. can't think about that don't, don't don't think about that but all the houses along along there were, were exactly the same so in circumstances like that give or take not very much um someone who doesn't know the area that that well could could come and value it well um and i and i also think i don't know why see we you know we pay what one and a half percent to to sell our property one and a half percent isn't isn't a lot. A good agent will get you one and a half percent more than um, yeah. You certainly exactly. certainly could could on your own. So just doing it to say, you know, you shouldn't really be thinking. I know Purple Bricks does all the, the commissary. Always spent this. You know, we 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 um, save this commission. Ooh, that's all very well saving your 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 couple your one percent if you've sold it three percent less. less. So exactly. obviously, you know, you need 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 to balance that. But the default position should be that every touch point with your customer should have as much friction as is wise to remove. Now, the thing about that is, it's, I, think, I think it was Einstein who said something like, um, make things as simple as possible, but no... Uh, uh, everything should be as simple as possible, but no more, something, something, something like that. The, the idea of being... It's sort of efficiency against effectiveness. Being efficient could mean that you lose a, lose effectiveness because you take away a, you take away some some of the, the con- yeah. contact point or, or whatever so all the bits that can be made efficient which is essentially meaning online which is essentially meaning you can do it on your phone mm. and it's still amazing how many um how many agents don't even have mobile mobile uh, websites it's quite extraordinary it's something over 40 percent which is like yeah, mad insane, you know you yeah. deserve you deserve to go out of business so exactly any, any touch point that um doesn't really that adds some benefit must be mo- mobile enabled as a matter of a matter of choice and then i still think i still think the hu- the human side setting your house is difficult because there's always there's always a chain there's always humans involved mm. and there's always oddities you know you've got Fred and Doris bonkers, four lanes down, four ways down the um, chain, and they're doing weird things. And you know, someone's getting divorced, or so. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of skill in how many how many sales fall through. It's a lot. I oh, it's, it's ridiculous. About, it's it, about fifty percent fall through between having the offer accepted and exchange. Well, it's really it, high. It, 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 it's amazing. Nearly fifty percent. That doesn't. Yeah. That's you know, could could you could you improve those odds? Well, I'm. I'm 
you know, to an extent, you probably probably you can't improve all of it, but you should be able to improve improve quite a lot. So the the the, high, the agents on a high street thing is really quite intriguing, isn't it? Because there's yeah. so much hype about oh, purple bricks are worth over a billion, and eMove raised a load of money yesterday. And then I have the same thing in Guildford. Suddenly, up pops another, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is, there another, estate, exactly. another estate agent. So you sort of presume presume it must work. But either way, it it almost it almost doesn't matter. I mean, let let people work out what they, you know, we don't actually pay a huge amount. What we pay to sell or buy to sell our property, in percentage terms, is 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 not such a huge number. That we need to be thinking of ways to really slash it. You know, it's not like America. America was it four to six percent you pay? Yeah, in, you pay your various brokers. You all have a broker who deals. For and you. Yeah. and the whole online thing hasn't really taken off there with that much mm. incentive 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 to to do it. Yeah. But I, either way, you know, you 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 need people who un, you need you need people who need who can do all the human stuff really really well. And then, as I say, everything that could be automated or you can add technology to you you should in terms of in terms of high streets i think um i think an awful lot of high streets are dead um i think there's a and homogenous yeah there's there's far far too much has happened over the last few years of trying to um uh revive dodo high dodo high streets all this all save our high streets there's too much retail yeah. Now, there's not nearly it's not nearly as bad in America. I mean, in America, they're expecting thirty odd percent of um, shopping malls to to close over the next few years, which yeah. is extraordinary. But they have the most insane amount of retail per 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 capita. But we still have the same same thing. Now, retail has to do one of two things: it has to be either super super cheap, which is why Primark Primark does well well, or super super conven- convenient. That I need, I need a tube of toothpaste because I've run out. I want to be able to go into somewhere, go bish bash, and I'm out. So that just is cheap or removing friction, mm. and then you don't need any other retail until it's an experience to go to the shop. Which it was when I was young. I'm talking uh, 14 to 18. That's what you would do as a young person: is you'd go hang out at a mall, <laughs> yeah, but, 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 because it was a, an entertainment experience. Uh, it was something that you could do as a as a, a person of that age without a car. You hung out at the mall and got a milkshake, looked around the shops, dreamt about all the things you could buy if you had money. It was an experience. But you'd go to very particular ones, wouldn't you? You would. You'd go to your Westfield. <laughs> you go to your, well, 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 exactly. West, yeah. West, Westfield, obviously, one one who does it really well. So yes. you think of in terms of in terms of shopping centres. Yes, it has has to be has to be an experience. But that experience again beca- can become multifaceted and by no means all retail. I think thirty percent of the big shopping centres are now food and beverages in in one way, you know, restaurants and bars and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I've heard of shopping centres that have co working centres in yeah. in there. Yeah. Te- Tesla. Um, Tesla show, showrooms. There's all manner of things that you can use. You can use this space for. Actually, there's an interesting one in, in America. There's a, a mall that was closing, and funny enough, Ford have taken it over and they put their research department. They've taken mm. over the whole two hundred thousand square wow. foot shopping centre and put their um, research department in it. Because wow. if you look at, is it, I saw this. Someone sent a tweet round last week, actually showing a. a Showing a shopping se- shopping centre and a modern office, and you know a lot of the modern offices have the have the middle taken out. Yes, that's right. The big. And actually, you know, you suddenly look at it. It's not that. It's yeah, not that. It looks like a shopping centre. It's not not that different. <laughs> yeah. So you've got you've got the the best shopping centres, which are a real attraction. Obviously, will do well. You've got the very local local ones serving particular customers who maybe don't aren't particularly on online and have a need, and you know, it's all the toothpaste and all the simple stuff and then in terms of the high street you think my what are what are my options my options are just to go to amazon and get it there the next day or increasingly in in cities the same day Mm. or oh shall i get shall i get off my sofa go down to town go through all the effort of, of parking because i want to go to that shop now, if you have some, okay, it's a bit un, unfair example, but if you take Regent Street, yeah. you look at Regent Street now to 20 years ago, it's got 
I'm not sure the numbers, but I think it's got something like a quarter of the number of shops that it used to have. Loads and loads of small shops. Yeah, you're right, now yeah. it ha- now it has all these big big eight HQ type, you know, yeah, sho- right. showcasing. And that's a, wonder, a wonderful thing. You you know, you go in Burberry, you go in Anthropology, you go in whatever. It's almost like, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm buying anything. It's, it's just cool. It's an experience. It's yeah. just cool. They, they spent so much effort making it worth my while get, getting off. And the high street is going to be the same. It's either got to be simple or it's got to be shops that experience. Otherwise, all that stuff in the middle, just buy, just buy it from Amazon or online. That's right. Um, so my feelings about the high street is... We should stop, obviously not in all places, but in a lot of places, stop this fantasy of it's all going to be retail. As I say, put the library back in there. Put a little co-working centre back in there. More, I mean, coffee shops, I I read the stats recently. There's many multiples of coffee shops now that there were 10 years ago. But the whole thing of, you know, your your high street as a a mixed-use, get more housing in there. Yeah, that's right. Get more people in there. To use those... Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, actually, it's interesting, isn't it? We're coming around to the same thing all the time of blend, blending, blending uses, and blending u- user experiences. And so, you know, my office doesn't look like you know, my bits of my office look like home. Bits of my home look look, look like office. Bits of my high street look look like this, and other bits look like that. I think we're mi- mixing it all up, all the stuff that is worth getting off the sofa to do. Because a lot of, as I say, a lot of the, on the you know, there's no, there's no point if you, if you have space at home, there's no point if you've got to write a report for th- that's going to take you three hours, getting on a train for two, two hours and, yeah. and coming back. That, that sort of thing is a non- nonsense now. So it's they? like you're saying, it's, it's creating these little micro environments, isn't it? And so because people, I've got friends in Richmond and I think I've seen them once in the last two years because they live in Richmond. And you think there's people <laughs> you who go. commute Richmond's from... Richmond's really nice. <laughs> I hear it's nice. <laughs> Richmond's but, lovely. People commute from Richmond into yeah. London every day and I just can't be bothered leaving Hackney to go to Richmond. And that's amazing that we have become so accustomed to living in and dwelling in our own little micro environments that we can't even travel and and we don't want to travel is the is but the we're word. very we're very comfortable we are, you know we are it's like you know why why did why were villages so nice yeah because you you know the people around you 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 feel comfortable in your environment and hopefully you move to an environment that that suits you i mean yes you mm. should I should so, go to you Richmond. certainly should go to Richmond. But, Anthony, uh, we're nearly at the end of our time now. As I said, Anthony and I, oh, I think every time we meet, we end up just talking for about three hours. But um, as as a way of, of wrapping up, can you give me your three top things to watch or your top tips, something around the prop tech, things that you feel that uh, property developers or uh, landlords should do better. Just give, if you could just give me three things that you think that um, we should be mindful of as property people. Okay, I guess number Not one. Not you on the spot. <laughs> n- number one is brand. Yes. Really start thinking thinking about brand. As I said, a lot of a lot of property people never never thought about brand. Think about brand. Learn about brand. There's some really good online MOOCs, you know, on, online courses de- de- dealing with brand. Um, that's going to be increasingly important. We offer one. Yes. <laughs> giving myself a little plug, but yeah. yeah, we offer a branding course actually oh, on well, how to then, then, storytell to build then, your, there bra- we go. your brand. There we go. And when's the next one? <laughs> oh, I should know, but yeah, there's one coming there's up. There's one coming soon. <laughs> October, October. <laughs> uh, so so brand, brand's really, really, really important. I think... Trying to get your head around artificial intelligence is really, really important because it, you need to get your head around it because you need to understand what it is capable of, of doing. And that is in the sense of what it is capable of doing that you do now and you derive value from that perhaps someone is going to use AI to enable them to do it a lot cheaper and you might find your business lines di- disappear. But on the, on the flip side you could find there's an awful lot of things that you could do with AI. So try and, try and delve into that a bit. So you've got brand, you've got AI, and then you've got customer. I think understanding, under it slightly in the, it emerges with AI a bit, this whole notion of data and understanding your customer. So I would say 
I, I could see that the, the, the great developer of the future is going to have a fantastic brand, is going to have great technology, a lot of which is going to be AI-driven, and that company is going to understand how its assets physically work at a granular level that it's never, no one's ever done before. So it's really going to understand how physically their, their space work. How does this building work? Is this building working optimally? And then they're also going to understand the occupiers. So either, either people they, they, they sell apartments to or rent apartments to or occupiers of space, they are going to understand the companies and the people that, that are their customers again at a granular level and an amount of detail that is at the moment un uncommon okay that's and that i think is the hardest of those three to get right that it's so complex and i find that really hard to get my head around as well so uh perhaps we need another podcast just on that <laughs> topic alone but thank you so much anthony as i said he can be reached at on twitter at anthony slumbers on his website anthonyslumbers.com and uh, thank you very much. Thank you. It's a pleasure.